welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And as we all know, it's the month of love. Oh, all the (laughs) hearts and the chocolates and the flowers. And Bridget and I decided that we were going to take the month of February just to appreciate loving yourself being your own Valentine, being the one who picks out the flowers that you actually want this year and the chocolates that you'll actually eat. And it could be Nestle Crunch. Yeah, it could be Nestle Crunch bars. It could be milk chocolate. It could be milk chocolate. Yes. It could be anything you want, but kind of taking it from the perspective of let's be our own Valentines. We don't necessarily need to rely on another human to show us that we're worthy. We are worthy on our own and we are worthy of love and we are worthy of affection. And so we invited Katie Phillips on the show today to talk about self-love. Katie is a TED's talk speaker. She's an author and she's the founder of the School of Self-Love. So we figured she'd be the perfect person to talk about self-love. And she supports single midlife women as they prepare to meet their soulmate. So what she says is that we need to be good with ourselves before we can worry about who we are going to meet along the way. If we're open and happy, the right person will walk in organically. It won't be forced. So it was a good conversation, right, Bridget? Yes. Yeah. You just, you know, and I I found not in my relationship now with my husband that I've been married to for 30 years, but in the past, sometimes you try to change yourself for someone. So you fit into that world and that just doesn't work. It will not work. Uh, you know, you can, you definitely can pivot or open yourself up to maybe things that interest them that you've never been interested in, like football, <laughs> you know, or something. But you as a core person, you're, you've got to be you before you really can find the person that's going to be a great mate for you. And you, they're not going to get your best if you're not your best. So that's right. a big thing I've been taking away from Katie, from her talk today, and really from a lot of our guests that we've had, that you've got to take care of you, and then other people can get your best. If you can't, if you don't have time to take care of yourself, they're not going to get the best version of you. Right. And Katie also talks about the fact that if you have been in an a verbally abusive relationship or physically abusive, you need to take time to reflect what you want for the next relationship. So instead of just jumping on match.com, take the time to really do the work with yourself and find out what your needs are so that you have a clear idea before you take that step back into the dating world. And as we get older, I think we do have a clear picture of what we want. Unfortunately, sometimes as you get older, that spouse that you married in your 20s is no longer the person that you want. But, you know, sometimes like Bridget and I, we get lucky and they are. But if not, there are people out there like Katie Phillips, and you can check out her TED Talk and her her program, The School of Self-Love, that will kind of help you walk through the beginning parts before you jump onto that website to start going on those dates. So we are going to let her do the talking. Before we start, we want to remind you guys that we have a bi-weekly newsletter that is coming out. We just redid our newsletter in 2022, and we have... For February, my sisters, the Perimenopause app, which you can find on iPhone, is co-creating the newsletters with us. And, you know, the newsletters are just 
information, they're fun, they're educational. We may have something, you know, some great great products we love, but we also have articles about heart health because February is heart health. Right. We try to put things in these newsletters that are really going to be interesting for our midlife listeners. So if you would like to sign up for that, all you have to do is go to the website, hotflashescooltopics.com. A pop-up will magically appear and you can just put your first name and email and we will make sure that goes out to you. So Bridget, do you want to add anything before we start our... Just be good to yourself, people. Happy Galentine's. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> yes. And just be really good to yourself. Take care of yourself and other people will get the best version of you. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, everybody. We are really excited today to have Katie Phillips on. And Katie Phillips, she has written a book called The Self-Love Affair, A Woman's Guide to a Daring and Mighty Life. She's also done many TED Talks. She also has the School of Self-Love that you can catch, and that's on YouTube, correct? Or the school, school of Self-Love? Yes. It's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Okay. The School of Self-Love, and I saw it on YouTube, so you can catch it everywhere. And we are so happy to have her here today because she's going to talk about finding a love in midlife. So many women, many of our listeners I know out there are going through just, you know, maybe a change in life, not just that change in life, but also a change in their personal life and relationships. And you may have never been married. You may um, have been in a long-term relationship and that ended, or you maybe didn't want a long-term relationship and now you're ready for one. So Katie is here today to talk about that and her experiences and how to help you with that. So thank you so much for being on, Katie. Oh, my goodness. It's my pleasure. And thank you both for having me. What is something that, what is your first thing to tell someone that would come to you and say, I need some help in this area? Oh, my goodness. The first thing. Well, the thing I'm most passionate about is inviting a woman to prepare for next level relationship because I've never, ever met a woman or a man who wants to be in a relationship, who doesn't want the next relationship to be better than the one they were in before. You know, like we all want an up level. And even if the relationship we're in before was fantastic, there's still going to be some areas of growth required. And if we want to up level a relationship, then, you know, we're we're always going to be the common denominator. So I have to up level myself first to be the kind of woman that's actually able to not only call in, but sustain a relationship that's, that's of a next level. So it's all about the inner work. So I'm, I'm kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit bossy about this idea of saying to people, you know, you're probably not ready for online dating yet. Like don't jump straight in. Why not just like take a beat and dial in to what it is that you really want in, as opposed to what it is you don't want because we all know what we don't want and it's about redefining and moving towards what we do want and noticing like what inner work is required. And we could talk about that today, perhaps. Well, it's interesting because there are a lot of women who are either ending a long relationship and maybe they were in it for the kids. Maybe they, it was just comfortable and they don't even know like you just said, what they want in an next relationship. They want to be happy. They want to have a companion. They want to have somebody there. And they're not sure about, gosh, it's changed so much. You know, the, just like you mentioned, online dating setups. I mean, 
the dating world 30 years ago doesn't look anything like the dating world now. So what are kind of the first things a woman should do when you say, let's start doing the work? Like you, you are a big proponent on, you need to love yourself before you can share that love with somebody else. What kind of inner work can women start doing? Okay. So before I I answer that, I think I just want to preface it because I think this is so important with while inner work is important, it's so important not to get attached to, I have to be perfect and have it all sorted and all lined up in order to have a healthy relationship. Because I think we're always learning and growing and evolving and the inner work from my perspective doesn't ever really stop. And the hope is that you move into a relationship with somebody that's also willing to do their own work and is living consciously. And then you just keep growing and evolving together. And there's some inner work and there's some personal growth that just can't happen on your own. It kind of requires you to be in the the challenge of a relationship to kind of like help you to grow. Uh, so I just, I like to say that first because I, I come a bit of a perfectionist, a type personality, recovering perfectionist. And, you know, I, you can start to fall down that into that trap of thinking I have to have it all perfect and have myself totally sorted. Otherwise I'm not enough for somebody else. Um, but where do we begin? Oh my goodness. I think, I think it's going to be different for every woman. And I think any inner work it, you know, it starts with a decision. It starts with a, maybe a, a humble and vulnerable admission to yourself that there was stuff that I could have done better in that last relationship. Or I know that I have things that there's repeat patterns in my relationship. So there's certain things that always trigger me. And maybe that's where I begin. Because if I want to be with somebody that is, say, emotionally available, and most of us want to be with an emotionally available, communicative partner, I'm going to have to check in with myself and ask myself, well, how emotionally available am I with me? Like, how much time do I actually spend sitting with myself and the truth of me and the truth of my feelings? And, and, and can, I, can I love all these parts of me? Can I love the good and the bad? And, and maybe we just have to start there. It, but the decision first is, well, the first step is the decision. It's I'm willing to take a look at me and my stuff, my triggers, my patterns, and I'm willing to do something about it. Now, what, what that thing is that you do about it will be different for every person. But I know that whenever we make a decision, it kind of like energetically starts shifting things around us. And I really believe that life, God, the universe sends us on a path and shows us what we need next. And it might be a book. It could be a podcast. It could be some song lyrics or a coach or a therapist, but we're kind of guided on our path step by step. It's the first step though, is that conscious intentional decision that I'm going to start with me and stop expecting the other person to, to be all things or stop expecting the other person to, to fix me or, <laughs> or make it all better. You know, absolutely. Yeah. With us. Yeah. I know a lot of women have left traumatic experiences mm. in a relationship and have you worked with women that have left traumatic relationships, but they want to move on, but there's something stuck. What would you say to someone who has left really, you know, could be abusive, could be mentally abusive, but they still want 
so, to share their life with someone, mm. what is some advice you would give to mm. someone? I myself have been in a narcissistic, uh, emotionally abusive relationship, and I will never forget how that severely knocked my confidence, had me doubt just my foundational sense of self. Uh, I didn't know who I was without having somebody reflect back to me and kind of tell me who I was. I, I felt really lost and at sea in the world after that relationship. So it's like I was just saying, you know, you recover by first acknowledging that I need support and help to move past this pain. There's no way I could have done that on my own. I had to call in support. Now, I didn't know what support. I had no clue what that would look like. Uh, and, And it was shown to me, a therapist came in and then it was a coach and then it was meditations and so on. I think that we have to, the invitation at that point is to build our own self-worth back up. And that is a self-love journey. And I think if you've been in a particularly abusive, difficult situation, you really need support and help. It's just not something to do alone. And it's okay to ask for help. Once you start feeling a little more confident in yourself and a little, I guess, self-awareness is growing Mm. and you're like, okay, I'm ready to put my toe into the dating world, not necessarily dive in the deep end, Mm. put my toe in there. What are kind of the first steps to meeting your soulmate? Mm. So if you want to put your toe in, like (laughs) we were saying at the beginning, you do need to know what it is that you're calling in and not so much focus on what you don't want. So I know the starting point is always going to be, I don't want these qualities in my next person. What do you want? And and you were saying earlier as well that uh, so many women find themselves in relationships and with the children and so on, and they're in such a habit of noticing what the kids need, what the husband needs, what the job needs. They they've lost sight of themselves and what they need. So when you ask them, you know, what do you want? And this is before you even get into the realms of what do you want in your person in your next relationship. What do you want? They can't answer. And and it makes sense because the focus has just been external. So we've got to bring the focus back in on on the individual. And yeah, what do you want in a person? Really feel into that. What would feel really good for you? And then start noticing when you when you start checking that out, you're going to start noticing little voices that pop up and say, You can't have that. Or that's too good to be true. Or that person doesn't exist. Or who do you think you are to ask for that whole list? Or uh, um, it's it's never going to happen for you. Like it's too late. You've already had your big love. Or the fact that you've never had a big love means you're probably not going to have a big like all these mean right, all these voices, negative negatives mm-hmm. come up. But right there is really beautiful information because. I'm a big believer that we are all energy, we're all energetic beings and our belief systems, it's just energy, our emotions, it's just energy, the ways we're showing up in the world, it's all energy. So when you start to notice, you write your beautiful list of this incredible, amazing human that you're going to call in and then the little voices, the sabotaging voices kick in. Those voices are an energy and it's a repelling energy. It's a block energy. It's, it's an energy that's going to put a wall between you and what you want. You, you're going to be pushing it away because you don't really believe you're worthy of it. 
you don't really believe you're good enough to have what you desire. And they're the pieces you start working on. And with the support maybe of a friend or a coach like me (laughs) or a therapist, you will start to understand, well, why is it that I believe that about myself? Why is my self-worth so low? Why do I not believe I'm worthy of a love like that or someone to respect me and take care of me like that? And, and pick it apart and come to understand that and, and heal it and look to what else could be true for you and, and start to try on new beliefs like I am worthy, like he is looking for me as well, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, the, it's all about cleaning up our own energy to be the vibrational match for what we're looking for. Because what comes in, the relationship, you know, most, most of us could hand on heart say we have patterns in relationships, And if you're dating or if you've had a series of relationships and you've got patterns running, the people that are coming into your world are simply a reflection of where you're at energetically or where you're at in terms of your belief systems. They're just mirroring it back to you. So if you want a different type of relationship, a different experience, you have to clean up your side of the street first to be able to be that kind of magnet for the something else or that next level relationship that's so important i know colleen always says that well she'll say people will call themselves selfish will say oh why am i i'm so selfish to think of myself and she's like no there's nothing wrong with that and i do love how you use the self-love and self-care and that's such an important aspect that you've got to find out who you are and put that out there to attract yeah. that. So that, that, uh, that, you know, it's been a long time since I dated, but before I met my husband, that was kind of the same thing. And then finally it's like the, when I met him, it was, he makes me laugh. And that was the number one thing. He makes mm-hmm. me laugh. I, you know, it didn't matter anything else. Well, he treats me well too. That's very important. But, that's, always helpful. But, that's always helpful, but it was where you got to the point where I just want to be happy. I just want to laugh. And then this person made me laugh. So that is so important. It's not wrong to, it, there's nothing wrong with looking out for yourself. And I yeah. really like that about well, what you do. This is, this is something that comes up a lot uh, with clients and women in my community is this piece of self-love is somehow egocentric or, or selfish. And I think the opposite. I think it's selfish not to love yourself because if you're not loving yourself, which means taking care of yourself physically as well as cleaning up those sabotaging belief systems, developing an emotional mastery, really having your own back, healing patterns of behavior like codependency. If you're, if you're not available to do that for yourself, then the people that you love are not getting the best version of you. They're getting a triggered version of you. They're getting an exhausted version of you because you're people-pleasing all the time. But, you know, they're just not getting the best of you. So you're actually honoring those people by doing your work and cleaning up your stuff. And we can do that whether we're single or in a relationship like that hasn't stopped for me. Cause I'm now married. I, I have to keep doing it because you know, he keeps growing and evolving. I've got to keep up. <laughs> yes, That's important to remember that even if you're in a relationship, it's constantly evolving. It's, it's mm. constantly changing yeah. and you can't really like anything else. You have to put energy into it. If you want it to be yeah. successful, you have to put energy into that. What do you say to those women who they've started dating again and we'll get into online 
because that yeah. whole thing scares. I mean, thank God I'm married oh. because that just scares <laughs> I know. I every. Know. We can talk about that. Yeah, but they they started dating again and they fallen into that pattern of well he's super nice and he's this and that I can change him okay he's a little bit you know he gets angry at times or whatever the case may be but the I can still change it philosophy what do you say to those women and I think that they are self-abandoning and doing that none of us have the power to change anybody else we can have an influence and we can guide and be a light only from the place of doing it for ourselves first. I mean, my husband has just recently come to a meditation practice and, and various and reading some books that I've always wanted him to read, but I kind of just, I've always kind of stayed in the background and I do my thing and he sees me doing my thing and he sees me doing my meditation practice and reading all the books. And because I mean, it's my work, it's my passion. It's, it's, you know, I live and breathe it. And we're five years in now and he's just getting, he's really starting to move into that space and enjoy it. Now, him not meditating or reading personal development books wasn't a game, like wasn't a a deal breaker for us when we met. Like he's a a conscious, beautiful man. Uh, That's something, and I'm using a very basic example here, but that's something I couldn't force on him. I couldn't turn him into somebody that meditates. That was for him. And the only way that if you're going to, change somebody and that just actually just sits really uncomfortable uncomfortably with me just to say that if you are going to change someone it's from a place of inspiration because you're doing it for yourself first and they're seeing the benefits they're seeing the change in you it's like be the change you want to see in the world you know like do it for yourself and, and then allow them to follow if they want to I think we've all got our own journey And honestly, who do we think we are to think that we know better and someone else should be different? Right. Like, Uh, yeah, that's not, I'm not God. It's not for me to say how somebody else should be. If there's a non-aligned, if there's a misalignment between him and I, if I was dating somebody and I didn't feel like our values matched and that we just weren't aligned, then, then we're not aligned. And I have to develop that faith and trust that, someone better exists someone and when I say better I just mean a better match for me not a better human or person just a better match for me and if I'm unable to do that then I'd have to check in with myself and ask myself well what's that what because it's quite a scarcity mindset to believe if I don't like cling on to this person and change them to how I need them to be then I'm not trusting that there's someone better for them than me and I'm not trusting someone better for me out there I'm like I'm clinging on from a place of scarcity and lack and not trusting in the abundance that's possible Um, and I'm not trusting that maybe I'm enough for a relationship that feels really fully aligned for me so I always come back to me and check that out I think that word trust is hard for a lot of women trusting that there will be someone else trusting because for some you know as we get older I think they think that the dating pool gets smaller and maybe it does. So that trust is a hard thing to cling to. Is it through the work of self-love that you get that trust? Does that trust build through your own personal work? For me, that's been my experience. And I do see that in my clients because I think the more that I develop a relationship with me and build my own self-trust, then I know that whatever's going on externally can't rock the foundations of who I am and and how I can have my own back. Dating's scary. 
it's, you know, putting yourself out there vulnerably, sharing your heart with people, even if it's just through texting through an, a dating app to start with before you even go on the first date and the second date. Like the process is scary because even though we humans are wired to connect and want to love and be loved, no one's really shown us how to do it. I mean, some of us have been very lucky to have parents that modeled it beautifully so that we could go and have healthy marriages. So many of us haven't had that. And so putting yourself out there is, is super, super scary, you know, and, and how do you do that? How do you trust another person with your heart? How do you trust someone with your vulnerability if you haven't developed that trust with yourself first and self-love does invite us into self-trust and and for me the the greatest way to develop self-trust is always be there for yourself to not self-abandon so when you say you're going to do something for yourself do it because every time you don't do it you're weakening that self-trust it's it's like in your marriages you two both have wonderful marriages if your husband repeatedly said I was going he was going to do something for you and didn't you wouldn't trust him to to show up for you and mm-hmm. it's the same for us if i have to if i'm going to take care of myself if i if i commit to it and then do it i'm building self-trust and you know with along with trust so many people i know so many friends of mine family members with the trust issue have had a partner in the past be unfaithful to them and that is you know i see so many of my friends when that happens to them that they jump into another relationship and then you use the word clinging and i see them cling to a relationship that i i just you know you can't tell someone what to do. You cannot tell them what to do. They're, you know, they're, they're just going to, yeah. But what, and you, what you're speaking to there is this, this piece about what we don't own owns us. So these beautiful women have had a terrible experience and, and it makes so much sense that they don't trust. It's like, well, of course. And yet every relationship they move into until they own the pain and the disappointment, the regret, the sadness, the grief, all, all the things, all the feelings around being cheated on and work through that and come to a place of knowing it was something that happened, but it's not who I am. Like it, just because it happened doesn't define me. I, like if they go through their own healing journey with that, then they're going to be able to show up in relationship, not in reaction to past pain, but always in response to present moment situation. I really like that reaction to past pain. That is, yeah, that is very important because I see it and I, I understand why it happens. If, if this partner has left and is going off with someone else and they're, they feel alone, Mm. I can see why they want to go out on a date and and I'm sure it it would mess with your psyche. I know that in my dating pattern, those were things that happened, you know, and thought, well, they're out with someone else. I'm going to date someone else too. And, and then the clinging part, I've seen that so much where they will cling to this person that may not be a good match for them. Mm. But I really like that. <laughs> like what you said there. Yeah. yeah. Can we go into that realm of online dating, that the kind of scary tunnel that what's that like for midlife women? Well, 
can I just say that I just noticed you said it was a scary tunnel. As you said it, I went, <laughs> and like we were like, oh, yeah, it's so scary. But right there is actually part of the problem and the difficulty with online dating because, again, what we believe is what we get. Right. And so while I believe it's scary and I'm like clenching, <laughs> While I believe that, then that's going to be my experience of it. So first of all, I think we have to uh, come to some kind of peace with the experience and move into a place of, I mean, for, I mean a great way to come to peace with online dating and, and see it as a, a hopeful, exciting experience is to notice all the people that are having beautiful success there. Like we do hear the horror stories and there are horror stories and, and, self-care self-protection is a very important part of online dating and it's a I actually bring in a, an online dating expert to do classes with my clients because I'm not the expert but he comes in and, and teaches them you know basic tips and tools on how to protect yourself like when you're date when you go out on a date uh, you do it in a public place you don't go for a walk in a park after dark <laughs> you know and it sounds silly but it's amazing and when you use the words you know um, Bridget about clinging it's, you know, if some women, if they're feeling a bit desperate and they quick to self-abandon, then when a guy says, yeah, why don't we just meet for a stroll, you know, we'll get an ice cream. But it sounds all very romantic, but actually the sun's gone down and you're in a park and you're on your own. Like, it's not okay. <laughs> so it's, yeah. there's basic strategies to consider when, when dating. But in the first instance, perhaps look for uh, proof and evidence that many people of all ages, including midlife. And may I be one of those examples? I met my husband online and I swore I'd never go online. Uh, I did meet him very easily and it was the most easy, joyful, beautiful experience. And he's a good human and there's lots of good humans and there's lots of great stories. So it's that thing of, you know, we were talking about it earlier, instead of focusing on what you don't want, move towards what you do want. It's the same with online dating. Instead of focusing on the horror stories, why not look for evidence um, and role models of who have done it before you? Um, and then I like to approach online dating. Again, it's all about energy, but I like to approach it with um, an energy of fun and anticipation rather than it being like the thing that I cling all and hang all my hopes on. And if this doesn't work, it's never going to happen for me. Why, why, why can't we just let it be easy and joyful and fun? Absolutely. Yeah. I know that you know? my children in their twenties, that's how they go on dates. Yeah. That's yeah. how they meet people. And, yeah. um, you know, they, they do meet in a public place, usually a coffee shop or somewhere where there's lots of people around. And, you know, one of them is still in a relationship with someone that they met online. And it, it is really interesting. They do not feel the, the scariness or the qualms about it that it seems like people in midlife do. And it's probably because they kind of grew up with it. I mean, I don't right. know, but yeah, but, but there are so many great ways online to just meet people in general. Um, you can have meetups where you wow. find people with the common interests. So that is a great app way to look at it as, okay, I'm just going to do this and I might meet somebody that is great, or I just might have a nice dinner and then I'll, I'm gone. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful way of approaching it without this heavy expectation and attachment of if, if this person isn't the one, then, you know, God help me. But also I think, you know, for midlife women, it's true. Like our kids, anything online is just second nature to them. They don't question it. It's so easy. But for midlife women to suddenly find themselves on apps and websites and so on, it, it can feel daunting. It can feel scary. You can feel out of your comfort zone. And I think the first thing is just to acknowledge, you know what? My truth is I'm a bit scared. And just really acknowledge it rather than beat yourself up. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, you know, I can't keep up. I'm hopeless at this. And my truth is this is new to me. I feel scared. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm willing to figure it out. I'm willing to be shown how. I'm willing to find someone to to kind of na- help me navigate it. You know, that's why I bring an expert in to, to talk with my clients about this. He tells them, you know, what what photos work best. He explains to them how to get those photos. He helps them with their profiles. He he helps them figure out red flags and so on on dating. He helps them understand the algorithms. It's it's like anything. We you know, if you haven't done something ever before, you don't know if you can do it or not until you do. So it's just having that again. Self love invites you to approach it with gentleness, with kindness, with patience, and to dip your toe in, in a way that feels good for you. And really, you know, releasing so much expectation that that is the only way that your person can come in because they'll come in. They could cut, you could be sat next to them in a coffee shop. Someone might introduce you, like you just don't know. I've heard all sorts of stories and we love the meet cute stories, right? Of how people meet. And yes, online dating is one route, there's so many other wonderful, miraculous ways that your person could come in and you do have to take some action. And if online dating is an action you can take, then wonderful. Energetically, my belief is like the universe has eyes and ears. And as long as you're seen to be taking action in in a way that feels good for you, that's all that's required. And how it's going to happen is literally up to the gods. And you doing your inner work and focusing on feeling good and being the woman you came here to be and loving yourself every day, that will make you the vibrational match to the person that is also looking for you. So, and so how that person finds you is really none of your business. You're going to do your best without attachment and they'll find you. And that's a huge trust piece right there. (laughs) Right. But like you said, if you're, if you can clear some of the energy that's blocking that, then you'll be open to possibilities. I think a lot of times women who just close themselves off, you can see it when someone's sitting at a coffee shop, who's approachable, who do you feel like is kind of in just enjoying the day or very closed off with a book in front of them and, and, or on their phone, because everybody's on their phone looking down, but it's just kind of an energy. You do get a vibe from people who have kind of an openness to experience versus leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. I wanted to make sure that we brought up a program that you have that is free for um, five. Is it 
five days to meet your soulmate. I want to make sure I get that great. Uh, well, that's a great title. That's it's, it's close. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a five day challenge and it's called meet your soulmate. So yeah, five days to meet your soulmate. Although that's a pretty big promise, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. You might want a disclaimer on that. One at the end. Yeah. So can you tell us about your new program? Yeah. So this is, it's completely free. It's also online. I host it live every day for five days. And essentially what I'm doing is moving a group of women through a process of these foundational self-love pieces to develop a relationship with themselves so that they are the vibrational match for who they're calling in. So we do mindset work. uh, We do emotional healing work. They get absolute clarity on who they're desiring to call in. They create a vision around that. Um, I won't say any more because otherwise I'll ruin the week. Uh, But we do some really profound transformational work in those five days. And the group environment of all of these midlife women who are all in the same boat, like there's something so empowering by knowing that you're not the only one and hearing other women's concerns or struggles or excitements it just, you know, it, it instills hope that this is possible for you. We'll have the link yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. Also, if they come over to the school of self dot love and click on courses and it'll be listed in there. And thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Oh, Colleen, thank you so much for having me, Bridget. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Katie, for being on our show and sharing the School of Self-Love with us and just sharing all this great advice for women because a lot of women in midlife find themselves in just different types of situations that maybe they didn't see that it, they didn't foresee that it was going to be this way. And that's okay. Things happen, life changes, and just make sure that you're taking care of yourself and then you will find probably your soulmate, if that's what you want to do. Companion, friend, anything, you know, it will all work out for you. And don't forget to catch us on all forms of social media. We will talk to you guys next time. (laughs) 